0: This podcast is brought to you by Touch Alive. Welcome to Happy Homes and Gardens. I'm your host. My name is Daphne Royce. I am a rose Boker, broker, architecture and interior designer. Emico was established in 1944, the same year it created its well-known 1006 Navy Chair, which is made by hand from recycled aluminum. 79 years later, Emico is still standing strong with a sustainability in mind in creation of its products. Let's welcome Jay Buckbinder, and she will tell us more about Emico. Welcome, Jay. Thank you, Daphne. It's so nice to be
1: here and involved.
0: Tell us about Emico. And I understand it stands for Electrical Machine and Equipment Company. What yeah. was the first 50 years like and how your father started in 1998?
1: Yes. So in 1940s, um, the, there was a task to make a super strong aluminum navy chair. So, it had to be something that could withstand the soldiers and the sailors on the boat. It had to be radar proof, non corrosive, and not so heavy that it would change the waterline of the boat. Um, And this engineer, Walter Dinges, came up with the design for the EMICO 1006 Navy chair, which then EMICO, the electric machine in equipment manufacturing company started to produce out of recycled aluminum because there was no virgin aluminum available. So in the beginning, what had happened was there were railroads that backed up to the factory. They'd come up, train cars would come up to the factory, fill the car with aluminum chairs, and it would be taken down to the port to be used on ships. Fast forward 50 years and the same kind of demand is just not there anymore. You know, it's no longer wartime. The original chairs have lasted this long, so there's no need to replenish them. And the company kind of falls into disrepair, um, which is when my family sort of stepped in. So my grandfather stepped in at that point um, and saw huge potential there with this process, the 77 step process that took recycled aluminum into a super strong super simple chair. It kind of became back to life but didn't really turn a corner into the Emico it is today until my dad sort of recognized the potential it had in the higher and design community. So when he was back at the factory Um, He realized that there were high-end designers and architects ordering the chairs still or sourcing the chairs, using them in their projects. And our good friend, Brian Murphy, there was a cover in Interior Design Magazine where he had used a, a bunch of Navy chairs and the Navy stools in a beautiful design. And so once my dad, Greg, kind of realized that there was this potential the the scope of what they were looking at trying to do really grew. Um, From there, he started to collaborate, you know, like ran into Philippe Stark, became friends and started to collaborate. And that really opened up the door to what we are known for today, which is kind of as like a capstone design of uh, an architect or industrial designer's career where they come and do an Emico chair.
0: Did I heard it correctly? You say
1: 77 steps. To yes recycled aluminum 77 steps it's definitely not the fastest way to make a chair but it's the same 77 steps as we've been doing since the 1940s and you know a lot of it is different ways to bend and treat the aluminum so that it becomes stronger than when it comes in in the extrusion form or in the sheet form so every time you bend it heat treat it um you know put it through the aging oven, when you anodize it, every step is to make it a little bit stronger than when it's come in.
0: How long it would take it take at to 77 steps from the beginning to the end?
1: That's a great question. It takes a long time. I'm not entirely sure for each one, but you know, if you go to the factory on any given day, there's a line of chairs that's at each step. I think probably a day. You know, it's it is not a quick turnaround to make a chair.
0: Let's talk about sustainability. So, what is the differences, the turns of a carbon offset and carbon footprint?
1: Yeah. So for us at Emico, you know, we believe that there's a a lot of different roads to sustainability. Our roads are creating something, a super durable chair that's not going to break during use. Non trendy design, kind of steering away from things that are going to go out of style and using recycled or waste materials. Um, What we've wanted to do further than that is really lowering the carbon footprint of the chair. What the carbon footprint basically is is some number that gives you a representation of the amount of greenhouse gas emitted into the environment during the production of whatever object it is. you know most of our chairs end up around the 15 kilograms carbon dioxide equivalent as their carbon footprint which the carbon dioxide equivalent is just the amount of greenhouse gas approximately um and that's actually pretty good you know a pair of jeans is about double that so we like to you know we're we're on a starting at a good place specifically because we're using recycled material and recycled material inherently and I, in the recycled materials we use, it is much less to produce than the equivalent virgin material. Um, our take has kind of been let's figure out the carbon footprint on all of our products, reduce them as low as we can, and then maybe look into offset. What a carbon offset is the concept that you are sequestering the same amount um, of carbon dioxide or greenhouse gas from the environment, you're taking it out that you are putting in. So that way you kind of end up with a zero on your accounting form of environmentalism. For us right now, we've kind of, we've, we've looked into it, we've researched it. Um, We want to make sure we have done all the accurate accounting with our own products, where we've lowered the amount as much as we can before we offset it. Also, there's a lot of offsets that exist right now to varying degrees of um, benefit to the environment. You know, when you're looking at offsets, there's companies that are just planting trees and there's no, um, there's no real traceability, transparency, accountability on that. And you really want to make sure the offsets that you're purchasing because they're paid for offsets are worthwhile making a dent in the environmental issues and, you know, like represent something that matters. Um, So for us, step one is track the carbon footprint. Step two is lower that carbon footprint. And then step three would be offset.
0: Well, thank you for doing so. I think that's important for us today. Emigo started addressing our carbon footprints and using this savage aluminum since the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Why it is it so difficult to recycle materials even though after 79 years?
1: That's such a good question. I think we're getting to a point where more and more people realize of the, the value of materials. And as more materials get harder to find, there's actually a way larger benefit to using recycled materials, which is kind of the push we need to get people there. Um, I think you go to foreign countries and you see what a good job that the public does with recycling. And I think that comes down to infrastructure for sure, but the U.S. actually has pretty good recycling infrastructure it's um, education. You know, I think when people know what's happening to the materials that they're sorting and cleaning, um, there's a lot more care that goes into that. And I think on a case by case basis, you know, we don't really have that same attention to recycling in the U.S. Um, I do think we're getting there day by day, you know, like we're getting a little closer to a uh, status where everyone's recycling and composting because they can better understand it. But it's kind of this lack of clarity. I mean, even I think on a daily basis, I don't know if I have something that's recyclable or not. Things that are tough, like thin film plastic or cardboard that has touched food, you know, like you, it begins to get tougher and tougher. So I think the education of it Understanding what we can do in the U.S. and then also saying to the consumer, this is what we do. Here's how you can help. I actually think consumers are way more willing and able to work on that than we give credit for.
0: What I understand, Amaco, not just using aluminum, but you also have other products such as wood and plastic. Mm -hmm. Would you tell us how you recycle those materials?
1: Yes, definitely. So all of the recycled plastic we use is recycled. Um, we have kind of three main types we work with: recycled PET, recycled polypropylene, and a recycled HDPE, high density polyethylene. Um, we started off using the PET, and this was from recycled bottles. So Coke came to us and wanted to do a joint venture, and it took Four years of tinkering with these um, coca-cola plastic soda bottles which just happened to be the best receptacle for their you know for soda um, and making it into a material that we could then shred pelletize injection mold into a monoblock you know one piece plastic chair that was super strong and usable on a long term So that took a while, but once we figured out that, you know, there's small manipulations you can make to the material and get it to a point where you can really upcycle it. I mean, the value of one plastic bottle upcycled to the value of a chair is pretty great. Um, That's when we started expanding into polypropylene, which is a post-industrial polypropylene, um, and the HDPE, which is a a post-consumer hdpe just meaning end of life recycled from the consumers themselves is actually not recycled but sustainably sourced so we work with local amish guys who you know have just their finger on the pulse of um really of supply chain for the wood in the u.s and their our huge focus is durability of wood product wood is such a great material but you have to make sure that it's from a location that you could regularly get it from, and it's responsible to get it from, and that the product itself will last a long time. Let's
0: go back to the plastic you mentioned earlier. Would they take a 77 steps? Would they out much easier to recycle?
1: That's a great question. It's um, the one step of making the chair from material to chair is one, basically maybe two steps. You know, injection molding the chair and putting the glides on the chair um, is much less. But the process of getting it from the bottle through the recycling system to the shredder pelletized and at the right compound, that's, that's a little tougher, a little bit more scientific than our very analog aluminum chairs. Not the same 77 steps, but definitely a multitude of steps.
0: So Emiko makes the 111 Navy chair with the 111 Coca-Cola plastic bottles. So what is the challenge of such a creation? And do you have to use Coca-Cola bottles or any plastic bottle will work?
1: There's definitely a few challenges with it. Um, You know, one thing for us is we've had this conflict of whether or not we should even approach recycled plastic. You know, does using recycled plastic buy into this plastic economy? Um, To us, what we came up with was there is so much waste plastic and figuring out a way to use it is more beneficial long term. The minute we have no more waste plastic is the minute we stop producing this chair, you know, when you can't, when it doesn't make sense anymore um it's not just coca-cola bottles but it's any recycled pet bottle so or recycled pet in general it tends to be at collections like bottle collections is like the main supply source but there's like there's always a variety
0: how many type of a different plastic out there I know they all have a different way to recycle them
1: correct correct and it's so tricky There are so many different types of plastic. They all have different material properties, meaning that some are easier to recycle than others. Some are easier to injection mold than others. Um, Some are stronger long-term than others, more brittle, uh, more elastic. You know, there is truly a multitude of plastics. Um, PET is pretty common. Polypropylene is pretty common, but, you know, that's the the top of an iceberg of billions of types of materials out there.
0: Let's talk about you. I know know you were in different industry before, and then you came back. Where did you decide to continue and pursue a career with Emigo?
1: So my background's all in sustainable materials and engineering. And, you know, I'd wanted, I'd gone into school actually thinking I would be a doctor. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. I've always been fascinated by neurological disorders and hereditary disease. And immediately it was very clear that I was not going to do a good job because I'm really bad with blood. So I had to to find another course and started taking um, earth systems courses where I realized that you know, it weighed really heavy on me how many, the, the effect of climate change and the steady decline of our environment. And so I kind of turned to engineering as the solution for the issues. Um, the more I got to know environmental engineering, the more I understood that I actually wanted to create something to solve these problems and kind of tiptoed my way into product design and mechanical Um I ended up joining Emiko when my dad actually sent me this job description that said product developer for sustainable engineering. And he said, do you have any friends from school that would want to do this? And um, I was like, you know, I would actually really love to apply to this job. So we talked about it and. He said, you know, if you want to do this job, we will have different people. You won't report to me. Here's your boss. Here's the people you'll talk to. And immediately we started talking every day on the phone. So, it you know, everything went out the window. But I think it was a really interesting opportunity to work on tangible objects that provide um, some environmental benefit. That sounds
0: great. Um... <laughs> basically make a loop and come back Mm -hmm. where your dad is and working on his business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. By accident. You know, it's one of those things you don't realize it until you're a few years into it. And all of a sudden you realize that you're doing exactly what your dad did.
0: (laughs) Was it your dad with the same background with
1: engineering? My dad came from a business background and has always been super fascinated with design his dad is more of an engineer, kind of a like fix everything yourself kind of guy, and also used to fix old furniture. So, and his mom was an interior designer. So, he came from this world of engineering and design and business, but less formally so.
0: This is a three generation
1: business. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I read an article from the Zine about you and your dad. Hmm. You renovate a formal sewing machine factory and turn into the current Emaco house. Mm -hmm. Could you share some thoughts on how we can preserve the old just like you and your father did?
1: Yeah, it was this great project. We started six or seven years ago, actually before I started at Emaco. And what would happen is I live in Venice and he would come and pick me up at 5.30 in the morning. We'd go surf, eat a croissant, And then go to the Emico house, which was this tiny little sewing shop and storage with two apartments upstairs and tried to turn it into kind of like a live work. So if he was up there from Long Beach or we had designers in town, um, now our CEO and president Alev comes and stays there too. And um, we took a really long time because it's so hard to preserve a feeling. You know, Venice is such a cool area known for design and architecture, art, music, culture of L.A. It's this little thriving neighborhood, but it's also gentrified really quickly. You know, you go down the main Abbot Kinney and there's a bunch of big box names that weren't there 10 years ago. It's a completely different neighborhood. And our intent was kind of how do we make this feel like Emico, which is clean and minimal and flexible use while still maintaining the feeling for the world around it. And kind of what we came up with was this building where the, um, thanks to the architects we worked with, to um, David Sake in Berlin, and then Keith Fallon from BAM, opened all the windows and doors so that it kind of is just two walls in the neighborhood. It's this super beautiful, flexible space, but really tied to the neighbors. And when we're there, my dog sits out front and barks at everyone that passes. So, you know, like a way to really, you're not designing the building, you're designing the building amidst the rest of the block it's in, the rest of the streets, the rest of the neighbors. And for us, the neighbors are really cool sculptors vintage design, industrial design, um really cool art artists are in this little block area. So we wanted to make sure to connect to that too.
0: I saw a line there is cactus in the middle of the emical house. Did you plant that cactus? What well, that <laughs> was there before?
1: We planted that cactus and the the concept is kind of like first of all we wanted to create something that felt really good a space to be in that tends to be somewhere somewhat green to us and there's only so much you can do when the floors are concrete the walls are lime plaster so we put in this huge euphorbia it's like a 15 foot euphorbia and still growing from this farm down in san diego and um it it is huge but what what we've had to do is we have up top, we have a skylight that opens all the way so it can get direct sunlight every day. Um, there's irrigation. So, you know, maintaining the cactus is easier or harder than it looks, but I think really important to us to also kind of bring in that California element to the, a very open space. And it it's, looks like a design object. It's so beautiful. You're
0: right. It is so beautiful. It's very peaceful inside the Emeco house. Yeah, definitely. And I did see some chairs. I'm not sure those are 1006 Navy chair.
1: Do you know why they call the chair 1006? That is a great question for my dad. I would have to ask, but I think it's really just the name of the SKU. So it's all the different types they tried, all the different things they were making. 1006 ended up being the name of it, but I can ask and let you know when I find out.
0: Please, please. And you and your dad bought this chair from Navy into our homes and everyday lives. What places use 1006 Navy chairs today?
1: It's a great question. Uh, First of all, I would say I had nothing to do with bringing it into homes and lives, although I'm proud of it. (laughs) Um, it, It's a great question. We have them all over the place. You know, 1006 is used in the most high-end restaurants and homes all the way to if you watch any kind of like law and order svu or ncis it's always the chair used in interrogation rooms because they have been used in prisons you know they're used they're used in super high traffic areas that need a robust chair um i have the 1006 navy in wood at home um, and I live in a tiny little bungalow, so it, it fits perfectly with that kind of charm. We have an aluminum one in an outdoor shower that's been there forever. It's just a great spot to hang your wetsuit. Um, so it, it really ends up being kind of everywhere. And once you see one, you'll start to notice them all over the place, which is fun. My favorite thing is when people send me photos of Navy chairs in the wild
0: your chairs and tables good for both indoor and outdoors and why are they so durable and weather resistant?
1: Yeah, 90% of the things we make are good for indoor and outdoor. Um, You know, aluminum is a great material. Anodized aluminum is super durable, super weather resistant, bleach cleanable. You know, you're setting yourself up for something that's going to last a long time. And I'm very
0: excited to see so many new colors on your website. Please share with us Emaco's new colors and the Emoco plants for more colors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say this was kind of an interesting decision for us. We're normally pretty industrial and pretty muted. And in the past few years, what we found is we can use these powder coats that are super, super durable, like the same kind that's used on exercise equipment um and the powder coat makes it a little bit more maybe lively or fun than our normal and um we can do a range of custom we also have our standard colors good for indoor outdoor and then in our injection molding we're doing a kind of update of a lot of the colors the 111 we've added four new colors the broom chair we've added four new colors um kind of reapproaching what people are looking for to use while still making sure it's, you know, it's not a trendy choice. It's something that someone will want in their homes for a while. What is the best way to clean your chairs and tables? I think depending on the chair and table. So, you know, if it's all wood, it's going to be different than aluminum. We have all of the cleaning instructions available on our website at emaco.net. So some of them, you know, you can do whatever to it and some of them that it's good to be a little bit more careful specifically like the solid woods
0: and can uh, furniture be outdoor as well
1: we have one wood product called akoya um, which is good for outdoors because it's an acetylated vine meaning that it's more dimensionally stable because it's been essentially like pickled wood Um, so we offer akoya for outdoor as well the other solid woods are indoor only on your website,
0: there is a product called eco-concrete. What is eco
1: concrete and what is it most used for? eco is pretty interesting. You know, concrete is a major contributor to greenhouse gases in the construction sector. So what we've done over year, the years and still continue to work on is how to make it a little bit more environmentally friendly using regrind from other concrete. Trying to lightweight it so it's less material, adding in recycled glass, fly ash, you know, it's kind of become a testing ground for different things for us that we could hopefully then suggest as use in concrete for industrial applications.
0: And you mentioned earlier that you study environmental engineering.
1: Hmm. Sustainable engineering. Yes.
0: Sustainable engineering. Would you tell us what is included in sustainable engineering?
1: Definitely. So when I was in school, sustainable engineering didn't exist as a major. You could either do environmental or mechanical, but there wasn't this middle ground that was kind of like, how do we make things that are more environmental? Um, And my background, basically, I made my own major that was like part mechanical engineering, like how do we think about making things and part environmental engineering, you know, like what materials are we using? How do we think of something being closed loop, full circle? What does it mean to make a sustainable building? Kind of focusing on the full picture of what it meant to be sustainable rather than either the environmental side or the making side of it.
0: I would love to see everyone use all the recycled products hopefully going forward and hopefully soon enough to prevent all mm-hmm. the greenhouse gases please tell us how people can contact you and where can they purchase your products
1: yeah so you know if anyone has a question there is a contact form on net, and you know ask for jay and i'll get back to you definitely um, you can purchase our products a lot of different ways. You can purchase them directly from the website. And then we're also in a, a few different design retailers around. And again, if you wanted to ask the website, where's the best way, if you wanted to see it in person, definitely we can direct you to that. And if you're in LA, I'm more than happy to show you around Emico House as well. And
0: tell us about the product warranties.
1: Oh, yeah. So our aluminum chairs are guaranteed for life, 150 years, which is actually more than life, um, which we're pretty proud of. And so it means you can pass them down probably to your kids and they'll still still be fully functional and looking better than ever, which is great. And how about other products, plastic and wood? The other products range a little bit more, but all of our warranties, you can check out on the Emico website. The plastic and wood aren't 150 years, but they're still above industry standard.
0: Thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate this very informative interview.
1: Thank you so much, Daphne. It flew by. I'm really flattered that you asked me, and it was so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for your Thanks. time. Yeah.